James writes, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. May the power of the Holy Spirit work through this meditation upon God's word to open our eyes and hearts to God's labor of love on our behalf in and through us in Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, with these words of James today from James chapter 2, we're thrown in the middle of the age-old debate. It's a debate that sparked by the words that follow in verse 26, faith apart from works is dead. The problem we have is understanding how these words jive with other words from God's word. Like Paul's words in Romans 1, the righteous shall live by faith. But ours is a tradition of based on faith alone, grace alone, and word alone. So we got this, right? You see, it's all about order. Works do not count for our salvation. We are saved only through the righteousness of Christ. A righteousness that was carried out in his perfect life, his sacrificial death, and his resurrection, given to us by grace through our baptism into Christ. So we know the words, but then it's the actions that follow that seem to be inconsistent. Now, there's two sinful outcomes of a Christian's life when he or she dismisses works because they can't save. We either do whatever we want because God's grace is there to pick us up, which is exactly the problem that Paul had to warn the Romans about, or we do nothing because it counts for nothing. Instead, it's important for us to understand that what we do or don't do does matter. It matters to God, and it matters to your neighbor. These actions are connected to our faith, not in order to be saved, but because we are saved. So James was dealing with this same issue as he wrote his letter. And he begins his, his words by saying, my brothers. And that's significant because James is not writing to the masses that are outside the church. He's writing to those who are of the faith. Brothers, the family of God, made so by God's grace through the gift of faith. So James is also then writing to each and every one of you. In his day, James was confronting a problem in the church. There was a disconnect between the faith that they professed and then how they went out and lived out that faith. And that same caution is extended to us in our day especially as we hear the example of this disconnect that James gives to us in our epistle text. Two men enter the assembly, the gathering of believers in the presence of God. One is dressed well, the other not. The one dressed well is distinguished among the church family. The other is given a lower place because he doesn't measure up. If you really fulfill the law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. 
But if you show uh, partiality, you are committing sin or are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but still fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. So what we see there is that what we do really does matter. And so what do we do now? It seems as though all of James's words, including those about faith being dead without works, all add up to this. Do better. Is that it? Do better? Do better so people see that you're a Christian? Do better because so that God can see that you're serious about him? Well, if that's all that James is saying today, then why don't we just simply do better? Why don't we just do everything that God says? After all, God said to do it, so just do it. But we don't, do we? In fact, we can't. If James is saying nothing more than do better, then he's actually doing exactly what he condemns in verses 15 and 16 of our text. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, giving, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that, James says. See, on our own, we can't do better because, just because James says so any more than the person in need can be warmed and filled by our words alone. That's because our sinful nature always has its own selfish agenda. Our sinful nature always is focused inward on itself and not for our neighbor around us that's in need. That's what sinful nature is. Only concerned about ourselves. And so the age-old debate is set before us. Either James's words are empty encouragement for us as we live our lives in perpetual disappointment to God, or there's more. Well, indeed, there is more. We don't have to look too far either for a hint as to where to turn in our confusion. In verse 7, James makes what seems to be just a passing comment in the middle of his encouragement to be good. He refers to the name by which you were called. The name by which you were called. And that's not just some passing comment. It's filled with the answer to the problem here. Because it suggests that there was action prior to ours. And that action is the action of the one who called us. Because we can't call ourselves, right? It's God who has called us. He's called us into a relationship with him that's lived out in relationship to one another. You see, it really is all about order. It begins with God's action toward us and continues as we live out his action toward us in our action toward others. Now, to help understand, let's put the shoe on the other foot. What if God made distinctions? What if God, you know, analyzed our worthiness and then acted accordingly? What if God analyzed all our works and dealt with us according to what he saw? What if God kept a scorecard and awarded our place before him based on that scorecard? 
Well, here's the content of our faith. God does not do that. If God did make such distinctions, we'd be left out to work our own salvation. And as hard as we might work, we'd never know for sure if we'd done enough. Instead, we know and rejoice in the truth that he has worked out our salvation for us. The content of our faith is Jesus Christ and his work of salvation on our behalf. You see, he lived the perfect life that we cannot live. He died to pay the price that we cannot pay. And he rose to defeat death and make it possible for his righteousness to become ours. Our faith is in a labor, but not our own. Our faith is in a labor accomplished on a cross and emanating from an empty tomb. Our faith without Christ is dead. Our life begins, continues, and ends with him and in him, which is why we do, uh, why, why what we do and what we don't do truly matters. The life we live is the life that God has labored for us in Christ. His life, what he has done for us and what he's given to us, animates and motivates our lives. He's the content of our faith and the content of our living. And therefore, he's the content of our labor. Because any other understanding of the relationship between faith and works creates an either-or proposition. Either faith or works. But rather, Christ in us and Christ through us creates a both-and proposition, both faith and works. First faith, then works, and never one without the other. Now, what about when we fail? If we, when we fail in the either-or proposition, our failure means then one of two things. Our failure means that either we have no faith or that our failure doesn't matter. We know our failures can't simply be overlooked. So in the either-or proposition, we're sent back within ourselves to do better. We're left to find our own inner strength. But our faith, though, is not in ourselves. Our faith is in Christ. Our faith is in him and his atoning work for us. So this is where the both-and proposition of both faith and works finds a firm hold on our lives as God's children. Because if everything begins with Christ, then he is where we go when we fail. When we fail to live as we should, we're sent back to Christ. We're sent back to his word and sacraments and the reassurance of God's grace given to us in baptism as we hear his word of forgiveness. We're sent back to feed on him and his supper in order to receive from him the strengthening of our faith and the strengthening of our lives lived in that faith. We're sent back to our one true God who holds no distinctions, but who died for all. That is, he loves us whom he has graciously called and to whom he has given his name. His grace is our salvation. And his grace is our strength to live, to live lives that look like what they are, God's labor of love, 
Christ in us and Christ through us. So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we're not dead. We are alive in Christ. And so we live and labor in Christ who works in and through each and every one of us. Amen.